living and surviving are two different things. Today's featured guest is Dr. Marsha Harris, board-certified colon and rectal surgeon, owner of Park Avenue Colon and Rectal Surgery Practice. Please give a warm warrior welcome to Dr. Marsha Harris. Day in Life Warriors, it's me, Shar, your favorite corporate life coach. And today I have a very special, special guest, dear to my heart, I'm very close to the family. I'm so excited that she finally made time and room to talk to me. Dr. Marsha Harris is in the building. She is a board. I got to get everything right. So I kind of wrote it down because I really don't want to mess up all her accolades and all that stuff. So she is a board certified colon and rectal surgeon. Yes. Owner of Park Avenue colon and rectal surgery practice. We're going to hear all about that. But not just that. Most importantly, she's Jamaican. <laughs> I'm just saying, I got to throw that out there. But she has also received recognition as Castle Colony Regional Top Doctor. She's also has publications in the disease of colon and rectum. Hello. We're talking to like mainstream bigwig. And let's not play games with this interview. Let's welcome Dr. Marsha Harris to the show. <laughs> Finally. Finally. Hi. Hey, so we, we have a little history. Um, I like to call Marsha family. You know, I pretty much, we, you know, I call her cousin because my aunt is her sister. And sometimes I get invite at the table to eat at her table. Just sometimes. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm cooking this. You know, I'm giving you the side eye. <laughs> That was some shade. <laughs> but no, her journey, her story is something that I'm fascinated with. I, I definitely want to share it with you, share it with the world. I want to learn more about it because we all know if you are a surgeon in this world, it didn't happen overnight. No, it <laughs> it did not. Did it. It's and a long process. Like, it's a very long yeah. process. What is that process? I'm glad you said that because I feel like the for the time I've known you, you've always been studying and working. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Yeah, like, actually, I felt it, like- it seems so long when you think about it in terms of the years, but when you're actually doing it, it goes by so fast because you're talking about four years of undergrad, four years of medical school. Then if depending on your residency and mine was general surgery, so it's five years of general surgery and then additional training in colorectal surgery is another year. So I think the total- I carried one is about 13 years before you even start your career. So you're starting your career if you go straight through like early, early 30s, like 30, 31. Wow. When did you start your career? What age was that? I think 31. Really? I felt like 31. So everybody got their, their checks. They're going on vacation. <laughs> they at the club. And you're just I'm like, still, I'm, huh? And you're just starting out. Yeah, you're just starting out. The, the good thing though, you build income so quickly that you catch up quickly yeah but the responsibility is so heavy yeah. that if you want to do a good job and you want to move up really quickly you know you dedicate yourself so much that it almost becomes like more education right. and more training where you're not really as involved in in your social life as much as you should be because right now it's just now and granted i'm a little bit of ocd but i'm just now getting into social life and want to go here there and everywhere Okay, I was about to ask because I felt like you didn't, you you were not social. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Because if you talk about you building a practice so nobody knows you and then you're black, you're a woman. So already they got giving you the side eye, like, can she do the job? Can she do the so job? So it's that, right, exactly. You're talking about you're overproving now. So whereas the average white male who look like looks like Trapper John MD, the trust comes immediately. Where for a black woman in surgery, you got to prove yourself. So I was like taking all the little cases yeah. to prove that I can do them well so that they would trust me to now give me the bigger cases. So this is now what, 13, 14 years in my career. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, oh, yeah, um, I'm not going to be able to see. I don't you. have time. Right. <laughs> right. Hey, I mean, I try to make time. I love it. <laughs> 
Don't call me. Right, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes you got to check people because they think you're just sitting there waiting for them to call. And I had to tell this guy one day, I said, sir, I have 8,000 patients. So I'm not going to call you every day after your surgery. I'm not going to tell you that you need to buy sheets. That's not what I'm going to do. You know, some, some of that is racial, I believe, and is, is, is gender-based because you're not going to ask a white man, well, why didn't you tell me to buy sheets? <laughs> it's like, word, that's what we're going to do today? Right. And <laughs> she, I have But most people are very appreciative and happy, I have to say. No, listen, you on your A-game, you got like five stars. You are on your A-game. You have five stars. I remember when you were working for the private practice, and now you ventured over into your own. Like, what was that process like? How did you do it? What What did you, I mean, what did you feel? I know what it is to start a business because that's what I did. And Ooh. but you're literally your business is different to be a surgeon. That's yeah. a whole different clientele. And not to mention, we talking right. about so colon and rectal. And I want to talk about all of that. <laughs> right. Right. Well, so it's, it's even more salacious than that. Essentially, it all started during the pandemic. Oh, actually, I could back it all the way up because I had a tr- kidney transplant. We're going to get that into the, in there later, I'm sure. So when I came back from the kidney transplant, the two gentlemen I was working with wasn't too happy that I took three months off to get a whole organ, girl. Get a whole organ. They were like, it was a big brouhaha because the older guy wanted to like increase his salary to make up for the expenses difference. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, I know if I increase your salary, you're never going to give it back once you get your money. Like, I'm not stupid. So I was trying to like figure out, like, let's all sit down, talk about it, figure out what the best way to do it is. The middle guy in the practice was like, well, um, no, we shouldn't get, we should get a lawyer. He was going hard. And I was like, whoa, whoa, you know, come to find out. He had already told the guy he could take the money, but he was just, you know, shucking and jiving for me. So then it came to a point uh, where, you know, he was like, oh, you, you seem to be in a bad mood these days. And I just had to call it out. I was like, you're a straight liar. So it became a brouhaha. This white man was cussing me out in my office, mind you. (laughs) Let me know that how I took three months off and I should be thanking him for working for me. Listen, let me tell you, when I tell you that day, I knew I was leaving that day. And then like between all of that, the innuendo, like um, what was the foolishness? Like, what was he saying? He, he was getting so loud. I had patients like across the hall. He was getting so loud, but yeah. I wasn't loud at all. First of all, I had to keep my blood pressure down. I was like three months out of a kidney transplant. Anybody trying to lose an organ over this man right okay. now? So <laughs> I was like, I was watching the show because I know how he gets. Yeah. You know, when they get busted, they start performing. So I was watching him do his little sambo, his shucking and jiving. And then like I'm sitting there listening. And then the man in the middle of the conversation was like, what are you going to do? Hit me now. And I was like, what are you talking about? Yo, you don't get, listen, that's a whole nother show for a whole nother time. I'm going to need you back for that one. (laughs) Let me tell you, it was, it was, it was madness. It is. It was absolutely madness. And I said that day I'm leaving. But then once COVID came around, then it became, I'm leaving now because we were trying to figure out how we're going to pay the bills and blah, blah. Cause now, you know, everything is shut down. Patients not going to be coming in like that, nor are they going to be able to have surgery because the OR was just for emergencies. So, you know, they were like, let's figure out what we're going to do. And like the older guy kept coming to me, Leah, you got to sit down. We got to talk about this. I'm like, whenever you're ready. Then I'm there and the office manager comes to me and she goes, shows me her phone and says, the middle guy is asking for my personal information, including my social security number to apply for a small business loan, not a PPP, a a small business loan, baby. What? All making an all black came out. Everything came out. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So I said, oh, no, this is what we ain't going to do. You are not going to circumvent me to go do what y'all want with my social security number. And they be like, yo, this is what we're doing. They didn't even, they weren't even like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Uh, no, it was all behind my back, but they needed my social security number to make it happen because I'm a partner in the practice. So, yeah, it was, hey, it, partner it, it was very long. Partner in the practice talking to you the way that he was talking to you? Baby. And the, you know what? You know what it was though, because I know his personality. Yeah. Put it this way, but I would call him alt right to his face. But <laughs> his, the whole thing is, he wants to get you riled up. So when he couldn't get me riled up, he kept going on like you know, trying to pick different things, yeah. and, and I kept on you know keeping it cute. So then he—that's he, why he started yelling. What are you gonna do? Hit me now? 
because he was going back and forth with himself. Yeah. It was it's absolute madness. But <laughs> after the social security fiasco, I said, oh, no, we leave it now. So I worked at that. It was, it's a long story, but long, short of the story, I decided to go off on my own. Yes. I set up everything while I was in there. They thought I, I was working hard like I was staying. That's what we do. Working. That's what we do. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but they were okay. stupid. because I was Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But they were stupid. They thought that, oh, she must be staying because she's, you know, she's still going hard. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was building my clientele because also you get accounts receivable. So everything I did for X amount of years, I'm supposed to get the residuals of that. Right. So what I was doing, I'm I'm expecting to get that money back once I leave the practice. Absolutely. Not only that, keeping my patients happy so they will now follow me out of the practice. So I had a whole vision of what I Plan. was planning to do. I'd already during the quarantine sat at home and talked to lawyers, this and that, went over the contract. So I knew that all my patients could follow me. There was no um They didn't clause. right. They feel stupid. They even make you sign like they didn't even have their own they didn't have their own contract. Okay. Their lawyer got the contract for me. This is the one that they signed. They didn't even have a copy of their own. So they had no idea. So by the time January 1st came, I left that nice, nice little letter on their desk. Deuces. I'm out. And that's what we do, better. ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. <laughs> Number oh, one, don't play better. with a Jamaican. Oh, but it gets better, Shara. Oh, and, and don't play with a Jamaican with some talent. She's a surgeon. Go on, Dr. Marsha. Because you can't take that from you. It gets better, though. Oh, talk to okay. Talk to me. Wait, wait. Let me get the word. Oh, it gets better. Oh, it gets better. <laughs> so <laughs> my name is actually on the lease of that unit because I moved. I basically found the unit, negotiated the lease, put two hundred thousand dollars into the renovation. Right. So I was like, oh, we can share the space then, sir. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, they locked me out. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I swear. I'm glad we're doing this conversation. Now we're going to have some wine. It's late. <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't need that wine, girl. I don't need that wine. I wasn't ready for this, but I'm ready now. Go ahead. Keep talking. <laughs> oh, yeah. They locked me out. So being as though my name was on the lease, I called the cops, right? Because, you know, I was they, they were already threatening, you know, uh -huh. and I was like, OK, I got to I got to function like a white person now. Okay? <laughs> I can't go in there, come and kicking out the door. I got to plan out what I'm doing. I got to have the law on my side. I can't go in there and just wild it out because I know they're doing me wrong. But I got, you know, I actually have paperwork and stuff on my side. So I got the cops there and the older guy was gone. The younger guy was still there. And my man, this is the height of white privilege. When the cops come to your to your practice and you go, well, you're going to come back because I'm busy. Baby, I said, how is he not tamed? <laughs> I was like, oh my God. So the cops told him, listen, you can't lock her out. Her name is on the lease, whatever, whatever, whatever. And if you lock her out, I'm coming back to lock you up. So that was like the Thursday. And then Friday was good Friday. I came in, I set up all my computers and all this and all that. Yeah. And I left the check for my portion of the rent on the on the older guy's right. desk to let them know I'm staying. Okay. <laughs> I thought. <laughs> so then here comes the weekend all the guys back from wherever the hell you went and he's sending out he's like oh you better not come in on monday we're gonna lock you up because he felt as though because the practice name was a tenant that he had the right to do whatever although his name was not actually the guarantor of the lease so i was like do i feel like going in five o'clock on monday morning kicking my feet up and giving him the number to 911 to call while i sit here with the lease that he don't have a copy to Oh, exactly. Ooh. Or do I pursue this in a court that is more definitive because it's going to be every day that I'm going to have to do this? You understand? And I had my like shift. You know, you went from like black to white. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had to fully think about it. And like, you know, I can't be totally emotional about it. I can't react. I need to respond. Right. So I then I was like, I got two young girls here. One was like 22. One was like 25. I was like, this is not the environment for them. So I had to get take myself out of the situation. So I got people working for me whose safety and whose well-being I still have to consider. Mm -hmm. It's not just me because the fighter in me was about it. I was about that life. I was going, I'm like, oh, look. Be about oh, it. Let's oh. see. You could have called me, girl. You know I'd have been. Right? Gonna... <laughs> right? You know we get up. We get right? up. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? We got careers real quick. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So then after that, I was, you know, so I called my lawyer. I said, "Blah, you know what? Get an injunction." So 
Monday, he locked me out. Now, mind you, sidebar, I have a whole camera in my office. <laughs> That's going to come to play later. Yes, girl. Because good old Earl, Earl's my father, was like, oh, you better get a camera. They're going to do something. Thank God. You. He you said get a saying? camera. I said, they ain't doing nothing to a thug, girl. Because they, they, they weren't about that life. They were, These were like insecure Caucasian men who wives run their household. So this was their only little piece where they felt like they had they could move mountains and be in charge and, you know, feel good about themselves. So I know that was about that life to come run up on me with no Mac, you know, no, no 45 or no Glock or nothing. I know that wasn't, that's not what it was. Anywho. So I decided, <laughs> listen, so, so then <laughs> the next thing was, I was like, okay, let me think about this. And I called up a friend of mine who's known me since a medical student. She's got a huge like GI practice. Like they got like this huge floor that had like 7,000 square feet. So I said, listen, they about to lock me out. <laughs> Can I border in your practice? She said, no problem. I said, how much does it cost? She said, nothing. Ooh. This lady let me stay in her place for nothing. Okay. Wow. So, you know, I tried to go through the courts. It took a while. Girl, the judge was like, yeah, you can stay out because you're not being harmed in any way. So here I am. I done put 200 grand in this place. Right. I, my name is on the lease. I'm the one that found everything. Right. organized and, and and oversaw the whole construction and everything. And I'm the, the one literally ran, ran the audio rise physically with my hands, but I'm the outsider now. And they get to stay in the space that I built, that I got all this money invested in. Right. So I lost the first one. And then I lost the second one. I said, you know what? God's speaking to me. God said, leave this stuff alone. So as I went to the, to the court case on zoom. So like after the zoom was over, I was like, now, nah, okay. We just gonna have to move on. We just got to forget about this place because yeah. after before the day before that court date, this man brought a locksmith and broke into my office. So he broke into my office, came in there filming, girl. Unbeknownst to him, while you filming me, I'm filming you. Right. Okay. So while you in there committing crimes, you're on camera. Okay. Oh. So once he did that, even if I would have won the case, it would have been temporary for me. Cause I was like, you violated on, on so many levels. I don't want to be there anymore. Right. So about 30 minutes after I calmed myself down and moved side and was like, okay, we need to come up with a plan. We need to be, you know, thoughtful about this. I had to call the building. Cause I was like, yo, get my name off this lease. Because right. if I'm not there, I don't want to be responsible for someplace I'm not in. And they knew all that was going on before it happened anyway. So then I called the guy. I said, yo, by the way, do you have any empty spaces? And he was like, yeah, I got a thousand square foot unit for like, I think it was like four grand. And my part of the rent was like 36 so $3,700. It was four grand, no utilities. All I had to pay was water, which was a little or nothing. Okay. Look at God. I said, where can I see it? I, talk about it, girl. Look at God. This talk space you got right now at 36 in Park? Yes. So I was at 35th, East 35th. Remember, I negotiated the lease and all that. Right. For that, unit, for that unit. So they have twin buildings. So I'm in the building on 36th, East 36th. And Park. A and Park. Exactly. For so when they, thought they were throwing me out to dead, to, for dead. Look at God. Talk about it, girl. Look at him. Praise him, girl. Because when I hung up that phone, all I could do was praise. Because I knew how much oh, I just listen. let the check go. No, okay. that is a story. Because yes. God, you see, you thought you was fighting a battle. God was literally working on your behalf. Amen. But let Amen. me say this. If you didn't fight that battle, you wouldn't end up on that phone call with that guy. Exactly. And look at you now, 36 apart. 36. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, that I'm was exactly by my, the way. I, I have to come stop by. Huh? I'm coming by. What'd I gotta, you say? I have to stop by. I haven't visited yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm coming by. I saw that you were on Absolutely. The door is always said, open. I said, I'm going to talk open. to you and then I'm going to pop up on you. <laughs> Just pop up, girl. Pop up with your crew, girl. We'll give you a full tour. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was it was such a blessing. Oh, and it was like, that is a blessing. When, when I tell you, you we walk in the place, it was like it was built for me. I didn't need anything more. The only thing I really needed to add was a sink in one of the rooms. That was all I had to do. Wow. You know what I mean? So I said, you know what? I said, next time I see that man that locked me out, I'm going to thank him for locking me out. Thank you. 
Thank sir. You, sir. Because we do need that push. Sometimes we don't like the way God sends the messenger. But you needed that push, girl. Because you would have still been. Yeah, you would have still been right on to them. When look at you thriving and successful exactly. and running the damn show. Exactly. I, would, I was comfortable being comfortable. Yes. I have two employees. Yeah, I was com- exactly. I was comfortable being comfortable, even though I knew I wasn't happy. It was what I knew. And it's very uncomfortable to go out there as a single practitioner in a market where doctors now don't go hang shingle anymore. They go and work for the hospital because it's easy. You go to the hospital, they feed you patients. You're, all you expected to do is work. You don't have to think about anything else because they're yeah. busy ripping you off in the back rooms. You know what I mean? So you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go out there and hustle and make connections and, you know, make get this big referral base. It requires work. But that's work I'd done for 10 to 13 years before that. So people trusted me and my reputation was strong enough that I could now move on. And literally, if patients would call, they're looking for me. They'd be like, yeah, she left. We don't know where she is. Liar. I'm around the corner, sir, and you know I'm around the corner. You know I'm around the corner, right around the corner. Maybe we'll have to right see me in a coffee shop. <laughs> because had they read their contract, they would have realized they didn't have a non-compete clause. Mm. But they didn't read their contract. I love it. So they didn't know anything in it. I remember the middle guy one one guy they said to me, I asked him, did he read the lease for the new space we were getting? He said, I don't need to read the lease. The lawyers read the lease. Oh. Okay. One thing I've learned and I try to teach people, I try to teach all my clients too as well um, when I coach them because, you know, I noticed that when they get to a certain level, they rely on the people that work for them. No, 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 no. Trust no one. Trust no one. Stay in the know because when Mm -hmm. people see that you're never going to read anything, that's when they start to begin to take a little advantage of you and know that you ain't going to read it anyway. So they're going to put whatever is going to benefit them. Like never, ever, especially something as important as that. You got to take the time to look over your stuff. Your name is going on it. If you have to sign anything, read it. If your signature has to go on that dotted line, read it. That's what I'm going to say. I don't care how. And actually doing that contract actually helped me negotiate the new contract. Right. To my own space, so I was making make sure I I, I uh, negotiate a good good guys clause so I could get out of this. And, oh, I don't, I, yeah, I'm out. Like I'm not, and I, there's no penalty. I don't have to pay the rent that you know because I, I have a five year lease. So if I get out in three years, as long as I leave the place in good, good condition and they can right. rent it, I don't pay any penalty. They just move on. I move on. So wow. little, huh? your location is amazing. You're literally. Yeah. Right across from the Morgan Library. No, like that's a big deal. Yep. So had I not negotiated the space for them, I wouldn't even been in, in a relationship with the company to now turn around and get my space. Girl. You see how God works? God he was preparing me all along, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. Of course not. Exactly. And he got the kidney right on time. So I was going to be strong enough to fight this battle as I fight. You know what I mean? So they didn't know. I, I made a commitment. Once I saw it was going left real quick, I said, you know what? Because I think that was around, you know, Easter season now. I said, I don't know. I don't care what it takes. I'm willing to carry it across. They could throw whatever they want at me. I was willing to carry it across. Whatever burden I had to bear. Right. So I was, I was like, okay. Oh, you want to kick me out? Oh, you want to tell people you don't know where I am? Bet. I'm still going to win. That was my yes. attitude to the whole yes. thing. So now I'm sure they're salty. But I got crackers for that. Okay. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> and they, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is Dr. Marsha. She always got, I can't with you. I got crackers for that. <laughs> exactly, I do. You want tea too? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love it. I love they, it. Really, they really did a number. They really did a number on me because you're so eager when you get out. Now, my, yeah. my attendings that train me, so I'm thinking I'm safe with these people. Yeah. They're gonna look out for me. When in reality, what they wanted was my intellectual property and my and my, and my hard work. Yep. And when it came down to it, when I needed them to step up, it was like, "How dare you? How right. dare you not be here to work like a dog because you're trying to save your life?" Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that just blew my blew my head out because I was not prepared to like. I didn't really understand that they were really willing to shoot themselves in the foot to harm me. Like right. it just didn't make any sense to me because a, a healthy me was going to be a greater benefit to you than the sick me. Right. I right. just didn't get it. 
You wow. know, but that's just supposed to show they didn't even see the humanity in me. Forget about everything else. You didn't even see the basic humanity to have a, a healthy human being working with you. Like I'm right. just like, wow. And a talented one. See, this is a this is the thing that I struggle with. Why do organizations when you have real true talent that has been making you money as well, right? The bottom line is this person been bringing in money. Why treat them this way? I'm confused why you treat them this way, you know, but I think, I, I think it's pretty, because I've been doing it so long and it, I, even going back to residency, you're taught to be small. It's crazy. It's so crazy because as a black female, when you're one in a million doing this particular field, and most yeah. of the people are Caucasian that are around you and they're the people in control. Surgery is a white male field. You can fool yourself if you want, but it's yeah. a white male field. So now here you are being a complete opposite of that, being female and being black. black. Like there's no support for you. Nobody's trying to bring you up, but they want your talent. They want your ability. So right. the, the goal is to now let you not understand what your talent and ability is to keep you under them mm. so they can continue to reap the benefits of mm. your hard work and your intellectual property. Mm. You know, so they don't want to, they don't want you to feel like you're worthy. They don't want you to feel like you're equal. And that's what I, I, I came to learn towards the end. I'm not going to say I, I caught on in, in the beginning because in the beginning, right. I just wanted to do a good job. I wanted right. you to see my value. I wanted you to see me. But I, at mm -hmm. the end, I realized they would never see me because no. that's not what, what I was there for. I was there to generate income and I was there to give them information and, and be their encyclopedia when they didn't know anything. Crazy, eh? You said something very important. They would never see you. Mm -hmm. They was never going to see you at all. And I don't know too many black surgeons. I know one. <laughs> I'm talking to her right now. <laughs> I'm talking to her right now. And mind you, I was in the medical field on a national scale from an H on an HR perspective, working in the healthcare system, hospital system, and I still did not know a black surgeon. Yep. And I hired them. I hired surgeons, and I don't know one, but the one I'm talking to right now. Exactly. I mean, luckily in our, in, for when I, when I started working, I was the only black female, well, forget about it. I was the only black person working at the yeah. academic hospital that like the, 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 the university hospital in my department, everybody else was white or yeah. Chinese or others, others. others non-black yeah. people. And um, now I think there might be just in our department, maybe another two or three now that have started. Well, no, mm -hmm. Sheila. Yeah, yeah. So about four or five that are there now. Right. So now they were so used to making us go to Bellevue because initially the, the, they would make you go to Bellevue. You had to cut your teeth there and then eventually you'll be able to, uh, you know, build your private practice. Yeah. The model kind of changed over the years. So when I came in working for the, the group I was working for, they were already working at the main hospital. So I started there. So I wasn't going to Bellevue. Right. I, don't, right. I still don't have Bellevue privileges. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So my talents were already, always there. And then over the years, just constantly working and being intentional about what I was doing and the relationships I was trying to foster, built my reputation. Outcomes were good. You know, you know, people would send you more and more patients. The hospital people come to me. So they, they know who's good or bad. So right. that just gives you affirmation that you're doing a good job and you're actually making a difference in what you're doing. Right. So I was excited about that. Um, but I did not realize the full breadth and scope of my talent and my, my ability because it wasn't reinforced when you went back to the office. Yeah. You know, I remember there was a situation where I had a, it was a complication, but it wasn't like a major complication. We're discussing the case and the older guy started laughing. Now, two things is wrong with this problem. A, there's a person at the other end of this that is having a complication. If you want to laugh at me, that's fine. But just remember, there's another human being that's experiencing the complication. And when he laughed out loud, you know, I'm still black girl. I was like, oh, so that's funny. <laughs> and he didn't say a word, which means that you were relishing in some relishing the fact that I was I had a setback or I had a, something untoward happen to me. And that to me was like very strange and weird, because if you have a team, you need everybody in the team to be successful or, is, or otherwise the, the team is not going to do well. And they were willing to laugh at me, say things behind my back talk nonsense behind my back because of their insecurities and their jealousy and envy. Cause I remember, it was crazy time. There's a patient, there's a, pa I guess a patient was sent to me from another doctor and says, this is a person you have to see. She'll, she'll she, like, she's a miracle worker. You know, they build you up like that sometimes to the patients, whether it's true or not, who knows? 
you know that the middle guy actually called me. I remember I was on the FDR 23rd Street. This man called me and was like, can you believe somebody sent a picture? I said, you're the person to see. <laughs> and I knew already you bothered. You right. Bothered. Right. Because why are you calling me after five with this? Five. Unless you bothered. You know what I mean? So there was a lot of jealousy there because they expected me to come and be like, oh, what do you think about this case? Can yeah. you tell me what to do? And from the day one, I came in kicking down the doors, doing what I had to do. And they were coming to me, asking me about what to do. So it was jealousy. It was envy. It was idiocy. It was insecurity. It was foolishness. Right. Just foolishness. So now I'm not in that environment. I'm able to work comfortably. I take cases and do cases I might have hesitated to take and do before because now I have confidence. Before, right. they were still, I mean, as, as well as I was doing, there was still a little bit of uncertainty because of my environment. So now that they done took the shackles off, Yep. I'm willing to do not whatever, but you know. No, not that. they took the shackles off. You took it off. They ain't do nothing for you. That it, no, God took them off, though. You're right. That's right. God took them off. He said, God took them off. What he brought me here to do was bigger than what they were allowing me to do. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. But how did you? So, oh my God. Marsha, I wasn't. Two hour show, girl. Girl, <laughs> I wasn't expecting all of this. Like, you know. But hey, this is what mm. my show does, Dear Life Warriors. We're here to inform. And I love when I get the realest of the real on there. That's not afraid to talk up the things. <laughs> Let's mm -hmm. talk about it. Because no, you we, have to. We, we have, we have to. to. we have to. We have to. We have to. Because we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared. Um, we've gone through some things. I know we look young and everything. <laughs> but we're not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're not anymore. <laughs> right? Okay. Oh, we look younger than the 20-year-olds, though. We, we Listen, I don't know what's in the water these days. But <laughs> I know the water we was drinking back then it has worked out for us. But, you know, we, we went mm -hmm. through it. And that's why, you know, I want to educate you on what to expect, what's been happening. Have one eye open and just be prepared and be strong and be confident. Because you're, what's for you is for you at the end of the day. And you don't have to take anything from anybody. Especially in corporate America, especially if you're going to work for someone, you don't have to take the crap. If it doesn't feel good to you, don't do it. Period. Yep. Period. And I'm talking even from, you know, I've been a single mom and I had to take some crap because I had kids that I had to take care of. So I realized later on in my career, wait a minute. No, I, I actually didn't have to. But because, you know, like, oh, I got mouths to feed. I dealt with certain things. We're here to tell you. Take control of your life right now. You do not have to deal with certain things. Let Allow people need to respect you, especially if you know you have a talent, especially if you know you're bringing a lot to that table. Move, Get up from that table and go go somewhere else. Create your own table. or Create go your own table. Seriously. I don't need your table. I am the table. I am sure. the damn table. Okay. Sure. And now I'm going to tell you who sits at my table. Exactly. Period. Period. So I'm so glad I'm talking to you, but I've always wanted to know how, why colon and rectal? How did you get into that? Well, I went what through did that a, mean? <laughs> it's not as bad as it sounds. Well, I kind of went through a different, different, anybody that goes through residency is going to go through different iterations of what they think they want to be. So right. you, initially I was like, oh, I'm going to be plastic surgery. Then I was like, maybe vascular surgery. That's like, maybe I'll be a general surgeon. Yeah. But colon and rectal was one that you can do different things every day. You can have an office practice. So if I get old and decrepit and I don't want to do these abdominal cases, which are really physical, I can just do anal cases in the office, do a little right. nine to five and still make a little change. Right. You know? A little change. No change. <laughs> or, <laughs> or like, you know, there's just a lot of flexibility. And for me, a lot of it was that the people were normal. The pathology was interesting, too. But the people that you work with were normal, despite the area that we're working in. Right. Like the doctors tend to be pretty normal. Hmm. I know, right? Sounds I know. <laughs> it doesn't sound good. right to me, but okay. Because there's certain personality types that gen like uh, gravitate towards certain specialties. And colorectal people are nine times out of ten pretty normal and pretty appropriate. Yeah. So that was important to me because working with people that are like, I, I, I don't even know. I don't, have word, I don't think I have the language for it. I can't even, I, I mean, I have it in my mind, but like <laughs> some of them, you're just like, what are you on? Like, you know, just chill a little bit. Like, you know. Yeah. We all here trying to achieve the same thing, but I just felt like this this particular area, the people were pretty, you know, had normal lives outside of medicine, and you know, had other interests and you oh, know, you mean, okay, balanced people. Balanced. Okay, that's what you mean. Okay, 
Okay. And okay. So tell me about what should we come to you for? What are the cases that you would, what are the services, the specialty? Like, I know it's colon and rectal, but I'm sure there are different levels to this. So what does that mean? So if you talk about colon surgery itself, you're talking Uh about colon cancer, diverticulitis, you know, other things like obstruction, volvulus, that kind of thing. Other, um, colon transit problems, like if you have chronic constipation, it's not your regular constipation that prunes will treat, but- How do you know when it's chronic? What's chronic constipation? That means that you can't move your bowels for days, like weeks. Some people, they don't go to the bathroom for two weeks. That's a- that's, Maybe that's two weeks? Yes. And their belly is out to here and they don't know why. And, you know, they can be very complex patients. And sometimes we have to take out the entire colon in order for them to function normally. You do all of that? Oh my God. Yeah. Do a tiny little incision. Girl. <laughs> then, um, you you see to... how you don't know who you're sitting down eating with? Because, listen. <laughs> I wash my hands after I swear. I didn't know you was that talented. I just. Uh, <laughs> you, that, you know. You... I'm crazy. You know I'm crazy. I know you are. All I think about is the, is the pepper shrimp. Like, when we get, you know, when I see you, we eat it. It's not about work. I don't know what you do. <laughs> but now but I know. I'm cooking, girl. Because I did. Chopping onions keeps my mind off everything. You're just worried about chopping the onions. Yes. <laughs> but what else do I do? Uh, so we do a lot of anal rectal work, hemorrhoids, mm-hmm. anal fissures, abscess, fistula. Um, I'll do pelvic floor reconstruction and help people evacuate better. Oh, um, okay. What else? Uh, colonoscopy, mm-hmm. you know, all kind of stuff. And we do minimal invasive surgery, laparoscopic um, and all that. So um, I'm, I'm going to be trained on the robot soon. I've, I've been holding out on that full disclosure because I just didn't think it was superior yeah. to laparoscopy at any point. So now for the deep pelvic cases, it's um, useful. So I'm going to try to learn that too, to add to my skill set. Do you do the surgery in your private practice or you go to a hospital and do it? No, no, we got to go to the hospital, especially go if you're doing laparoscopic surgery. I'll do like the small stuff, like the ham- yeah. small hemorrhoids or anal wards, something in the yeah. office. But like, if I'm taking out your cold, we're not doing that in my living room, man. We got to go to the operating room. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to do it there. Okay. I, I enjoy it now. It used to give me a lot of anxiety before because I'd be afraid to have a complication. So it's like you're going down a tightrope, feeling like you have to be yeah. like, perfect all the time. So now I go in there. I really enjoy the cases and nice. you know things. Thank God they've been coming out well so far. So you know things are good. I feel like there's no competition in your field for a black woman doing this. Well, um, as from a black there's, woman, there's, there's one at Sinai. You said there's one? one at Sinai. Um, actually, there's one. a friend of mine. She's in the Bronx. Um, yeah, they're, they're a couple. They're a couple. Oh, that's my point. Couple. They're a couple. It's not a lot, but we've graduated since I've started, since I did colorectal, um, including this year, three other Black women have gone into colorectal. Wow. From, from our program. So. Yay. I'm impressed. Yeah. So, I mean, because, I mean, to me, surgery should be fun. I hate when going to an operating room where it's all tense and, you know, they t- don't get me wrong. It's time to yeah. make it tense. I don't breathe. I don't pee. I don't think. I not think, but I don't move because I'm focused on what I'm doing. But that when if things are going well, there's no reason for it to be super yeah. tense. This is what you spend 13 years learning how to do. You should mm-hmm. be able to enjoy it. So, you know, most of the times I'm able to enjoy it. The staff enjoys it. Everybody's having a good time in the room. There might be a dance off in there somewhere, but yeah. You know, but things are good. It's, it's, it should be enjoyed. It should be, you know, fun. And I have a lot of fun in the operating room. How many days you do surgery every day? You have specific no, days. Every day would be a lot. I know. Um, I'll do like a Monday and Thursdays. Uh, the that, whole, those the are your surgery days, days. And then I do colonoscopy on Wednesday. Yeah, I do colonoscopy okay. on Wednesday. And then office hours all day, Tuesday, all day, Friday. And the afternoons on Wednesday. What hospital are you associated with? Where do you do your surgeries? I'm doing surgeries now, predominantly at NYU, but I do have backup privileges at Lenox Hill just in case people get a little tricky. So I can have a little backup just in case they throw me out. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I trust no one. (laughs) Listen, oh my God, girl, this is amazing. Mm. Are you, how do you feel waking up every day now? Do you feel like... You get your car like now the build out's over and like we got a year under your belt. Remember that you so you talked about being in um private being on your own is, is like it's something new every day. I remember yes. going in to the practice every day, something something was wrong or something needed to be addressed. And I said I came in one day, I said, Girls, one day I'm gonna come in here, you're not gonna tell me something is wrong. You know? So right now I'm in that period where we've been in practice for over a year. We're getting a rhythm, you know, I have great, great staff, so all that's been helpful in right. terms of 
enjoying and then the that, You had to also take on the administration, processing payroll. How was that? Processing payroll and oh, all that. Baby. other so stuff. Got, Running a business world. I got a company for that. Oh, okay. So I got a company to deal with payroll and the, and the payroll taxes. Um, what are also the other stuff that you have to deal with? You know, and of course you have insurance for the for the for the space. You have everything managing the yeah. whole shebang. You want because yeah. I noticed with doctors, I had another wonderful doctor client. I noticed with with you guys, y'all just want to focus on your craft. You don't really want to be in the weeds of a business. You're like, I, well, I, I think it depends on the individual because some of them just like you said, just lazy, just want to just want to show up and do whatever. And they don't want to watch their own money. That's how the hospital right. them off because you don't even you, you're not even keeping track of what you're doing and how much revenue you're generating. Yeah. So when you come up for negotiation, like, yeah, you only made two dollars. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you can make ten thousand dollars and they wouldn't they're not going to tell you. Yeah, so there's some some of it, I think, is is innate. And for me, it was important because I was uh, marginalized so much in my other business that I had to make sure that I understood all the parts that went into right, to doing right. it and watch every doll that comes in and out and manage it according, accordingly. Like the older guy was spending money when he freaking felt like it. I had no idea what, what he was spending it on. And to this day, he won't give us the book. So who knows what, where the money went? You know what I mean? So now I know how much money comes in. I know where it's going. And that alone is, is, a, is a good peace of mind. I don't mind that. You get right. your little quick cooking books and, you know, every week or maybe on a Sunday, you look at the money that comes in and out. I go to the bank on Saturday mornings. It's a, it's a whole a whole routine now. So it's not right. it's not like overwhelming. And then I have a tax guy I've had for years. So he's right. doing, it, doing the taxes. And it, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be because people do talk about how heavy the administrative stuff is. Uh-huh. In the beginning, it was tough. But now that everything is set up, it's a lot easier. Okay. Okay. And I got a great staff. I have one girl that's outstanding. I, th- I, said, I said, if she's leaving, I'm going to leave too. You leave it too? <laughs> shutting it down. Shutting it down. Practice it down. <laughs> working for the hospital. She leave. No, let my, uh, Dr. Marsha. I'm not just going to say Marsha. <laughs> Dr. Marsha. No, this is like, listen, I'm absolutely, my heart is so happy for you. I am ecstatic. Thank you, Booby. Listen, just hearing your story, I was watching you like, I'm going to wait for her to get settled <laughs> before I say, come talk to me. But um, honestly, I think you have to be 10,000% proud of yourself. Yeah, I'm finally getting that opportunity to, to do that. I got, that was never me. I was always moving on to the next thing way yes. too quickly. So now I'm like getting a chance to sit in it now that I'm older. You know, when you yeah. look back and you can really see how God ordered your steps, you're just like, wow. He, he does said, wow. order steps. Mm-hmm. We might not like how he orders them, but. <laughs> <laughs> the end point is good. I think the understanding the why is good, though. And we just wait on the Because once you understand the why, you stop being angry. Yes. Yeah, I stopped being angry when I, when I, when I understood that he had to lock me out in order for me to be in this new space and yes. do well on my own. I'm like, okay, thanks for locking me out, guys. Thank you. you. (laughs) It all it all makes sense. If you had one message to leave my life warriors, what would that be? What would you want to tell my life warriors? Because I call my show Life Dare Life Warriors for a reason, because I believe if you're living, life is about a battlefield. We're on a battlefield. And you gotta, you are a warrior. If you continue on this battle every day, your eyes open, you gotta be ready for what's to come. Mm -hmm. Although it's unknown. So I I do this because I want to just show people when you see success, there's always a story. There's definitely a testimony. Believe me, there's a testimony. It's not easy. I think people see the cars, the houses, the nice things. Yes, and they they want it. They want it, but they don't want that walk, though. They don't want the walk. They don't want the walk. The walk is very difficult. You're talking about when when they locked me out, I was cleaning and sterilizing the instruments in my basement. They didn't allow us to use their fax machine where we were staying because they had super tight, like, um, you yeah. know, cybersecurity. So I had to come home, fax, print, wash instruments, do my regular charts, still setting wow. up business. Then we had to, then I had to build out the office. Like It was a lot going on. I mean, I was sleeping four hours a night sometimes, Ooh. but I had to do what I had to do because I was willing to carry it across because they was going to beat me. That, that, that was my attitude. Y'all yeah. like, well, I had to make it happen. But in answer to your question, when I when you ask me that question, I'm very intentional about the answer because yeah. I'm starting to realize what I didn't do that I should have done far earlier. Oh, what's that? You know, 
I think early in the process, the check-in has to begin early in the process. You talked a little bit about being afraid to do that because you're, you're trying to build, you're trying to yeah. maintain a job. You don't want to get fired. You know, you want to keep your check. But I think in the beginning, it's important to set the boundaries mm. and let them know not today, not today, not any other day. <laughs> okay. I'm here. I'm here to work. I'm here to do this, but you're not going to disrespect me. Yes. And, and you're going to appreciate what I'm bringing to the table. Yes. And if they cannot give you that bare minimum, that bare, bare minimum of professionalism and respecting your boundaries and treating you according to, you know, what you're bringing to the table. Yes. There are other people who are going to love you. And that's what I didn't get. I thought that this was it and I had to make it work. And I sat in it for way too long, way too long. But you know yeah. what, Marsha, honestly, I feel too with our Caribbean background, we come, we're raised to be grateful for the little opportunities that we get. Honestly, I feel like, you know, my mother came here from Jamaica and because the struggle was so real, she instilled in me like, don't, this is an opportunity. You don't, you know, so any little thing that you can't even see when you're not being appreciated and when you're being disrespected and you just feel like, Okay, you know, it's that whole slave mentality unconsciously that's been embedded in us. No fault, of, you 100%. know, no fault at all of our parents. I'm not saying that at all. It's just is what it is where we come from. So I'm glad you're saying that you're right. moving to the forefront because now that you and I'm happy to say, too, I got out of that spirit because my mother now and she's like, you're doing what? And you're taking what risk? And you, I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I quit. No job. I don't care. You are not going to disrespect me. You're not going to treat me so because now I know my worth. Oh. And now I know my value. Even now running a business when people, you know, I'm like, that's my price. They're like, that's my price. If I'm telling you I'm a change. Yesterday's home, price is not today's price. price. <laughs> If I'm telling you I'm going to change your whole life, your whole business, your whole organization, what's that worth to you? That's all I'm saying. Like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to put my time, my energy, and my effort into making you great. And I know I'm going to make you great. I know I'm going to make your business great. I already know that. The question is why you want to be like, oh, but when, the other, you know, the white person, you don't negotiate. Well, yeah, absolutely. And a good rapper once said it, closed mouth don't get fed on the boulevard. <laughs> so if you don't ask for it, they're darn sure not going to give it to you. They're not going to give it to you. Absolutely. It happened with my first negotiation. Now, it was a $10,000 raise. And I was lit because like you said, you're not used to you're not used the to money. And then now your, your family telling, oh, what? $10,000? You $10, what? My mother, $10,000 back in the days? I remember right? I got a $25,000 bonus once. Girl. That was my first time getting a $25,000 bonus. And I was like, yeah. When I looked at everybody else's bonus, I was the lowest one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Everybody so got 50000 And I'm like, $25,000. People was walking away with double their salary as a bonus. And Exactly. Exactly. Hello. So when it, when when I when I got wise and realized, wait a minute, you're supposed to get half right. of bringing in. So when I, I on the low key asked the office manager at the time, oh yeah, how much I bring in last year? Oh, oh, oh yeah. So I went in the next stop. And I said, okay, like you said, this is what we doing. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, this is what we doing. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Granted, he chopped it down ten thousand because they always got to win something, but it was still much more. Than, than what I was making the, the second year. It was robbery, you know, but at the time you don't know. So then you can't act on it. So once I started to educate myself, then you start to make better decisions and be more aggressive because he couldn't take to lose me. So he had to give it to me. Right. Right. To some extent. You know what I mean? Now I was wise. And plus they did a nice um, women's conference for us where they talked about women negotiating their, their, nice. uh, their you know, because ultimately what's going to happen is Sorry. women are going to just be waiting for them to tell us what we're worth. When in reality, we should say, okay, this is what I'm good. Can you do it or no? Right. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And that's the part that we don't learn. We learn to take whatever they give us. 
Right. So now being on the offensive is, is going to get you more money like you're doing. You said, OK, this is these are my skill sets. They're, they're marvelous. They're wonderful. You're going to be great. And you're going to have to pay me for it. And I think coming into the to, to the negotiating table with that attitude, they're either going to do it or they're not. Yeah. But Pretty somebody's going to do it. The worst thing they're going to say is no. And then, you know, you make a decision then. But don't exactly. don't be afraid to ask. That's, exactly. the, that's the big exactly. thing. Don't be afraid to ask because. The worst thing they're just going to say is we can't do that right now. Right. And also to sell yourself. Okay. Why are you asking for this amount of money? Right. Oh, I'm asking for this amount of money because I can do this, this, and this, and this, and this is my record. And this is blah, blah, blah. And this is what I can do for you. Right. You know, and it has to be on a level where they can see dollar signs because they don't see anything else. Right. You know what I mean? So if you can prove with some data that you're going to be able to do all these things or even just history. So what you've done with other people, then they have to give you the money if they really want you. Somebody's right. going to do it. You right. know, and you can't take the, you can't take the nose as, you know, like the end of the world. It's going to be somebody else somewhere. And I, that's the part I, I started to notice now, because when I was at home trying to figure out what my next move was, mm-hmm. a friend of mine introduced me to this other doctor and he was like, oh, my God, you're so great. And I was like, where did I am? <laughs> you, you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> so once you see that, wait a minute. Oh, somebody else don't like me. You know what I mean? Then you're willing to, to part from the toxic relationships because you realize there's other people out there that actually would value you. Yes, absolutely. Woo. I love that. And on that note, mm-hmm. I'm going to end here my life warriors because that was good. You're going to see that other people out there value you. Period. Mm-hmm. I know I was blessed by this conversation. Dr. Marsha Harris, everybody. <laughs> She shared a lot. Um, next time when she comes back, I'm throwing that out there. We'll get we'll, we'll put a second half of the story. Put a second <laughs> half of the story. And just to get more in details about, you know, just your health, because I am big on health and how to prevent a lot of things from happening to you. We could definitely have that discussion. I'm looking to have a round table soon of all my doctor friends, actually. From Absolutely. The, the different aspects, because I'm about, you know, Health, 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 functional medicine, integrative medicine. Let's take care of our bodies from within, take care of our minds. I'm all about that. So you don't have to have certain things happen to you. But in the meantime, I hope you were blessed by this conversation because I was. And Dr. Marsha Harris, thank you so much for sharing your story. I enjoyed myself. Thanks for inviting me. No, thank you for actually being here today. (laughs) I know you have a busy schedule. (laughs) But my life warriors, do know that there is a coach out here that loves you. 